Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome, everybody, to Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Our guest on this week's show, a prominent and well-respected broadcaster. It's now his second time on the show. An author of many books. You can find him on CBS's 60 Minutes, doing a lot of stuff there, as well as on Tennis Channel Live, every day still going during this Australian Open. It's our own John Wertheim. John, welcome back to the show, now officially a uh, recurring guest. Oh, man. Love it. How are you? Good to be here. I'm doing well. Uh, I know I'm, I'm a little sad that the Australian Open is coming to an end. Uh, I want to start off with this, though. I mean, we're always looking for, you know, storylines and subplots. There was no shortage of them going into the start of the tournament for obvious reasons. But I think it is, and I think you would agree, a little refreshing to know that there's still a lot of action and drama on the court, and a lot of unpredictability. There was no shortage, regardless of who wasn't playing, what the circumstances were. We got upsets, storylines, and subplots, and great action uh, from the start to finish. So it's a little refreshing in that regard. There's a moral here somewhere. When this tournament started, we, we weren't sure if, uh, if people were asking, could this overcome all the Djokovic drama and all the, uh, the sort of immigration saga? And you know what? Here we are on the final weekend. We've got Nadal going for history as we speak. He's three sets away from becoming the all-time men's majors winner for singles. We've got you know, Medvedev trying to make history as the first man ever to win a major and then back it up. We've got Ash Barty trying to become the first Aussie in more than 40 years. We've got Curious in the doubles. It's, it's been a great tournament. I think there's, there's probably a lesson uh, that ought to be uh, recalled going forward that uh, the tennis will carry the day and We've got uh, you know 127 matches in each singles draw. There's bound to be enough drama to get us through, regardless of who is or is not in the draw. Yeah, and I I agree with that completely. You were you know on the forefront of saying it'll be fine. You know the game is is in a good place. Uh, Got to give you props for that, though. I will say since we're gonna you know hold everybody completely honest. I think you were more on the lines of maybe there'd be like some upsets, some, some unpredictability at the top. And, uh, you know, another testament to the game is that we still have a lot of star power. It's Ash Barty. It's, it's Rafael Nadal for unprecedented reasons, getting to the final. It's Medvedev trying to make history in his own regard. So there's still a lot of star power, regardless of whether or not everybody plays. And this tournament is, it isn't necessarily a fluke. We're seeing the best players play their best tennis. Yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, Jen, Jen Brady made the final last year. Sonia Kennan made it, you know, yeah. won the event uh, before that. So we, we've had some results that haven't been completely by the book. But, no, if somebody had said two weeks ago, look, Nadal's going to get it together and win best of five matches and grind through and look brilliant at times and other times fight through, you'd say, yeah, that sounds about right. If you said Medvedev's going to get to the final and beat Tsitsipas in the semis, you'd say, yeah, that's about right. Superior head-to-head, beat him last year in the semis. Medvedev won the previous major, also played on hard court. That sounds about right. Daniel Collins has been to the semifinals of this event before. That's not a big surprise. So, yeah, no, that's a good, I think that's a good point that, um, you know, no Serena, no Federer, no Novak Djokovic, obviously. And yet we still have two, you know, 
certainly on the men's side, we have, we have two finalists that a lot of people probably would have predicted. And on the women's side, we've got Ash Barty, top seed, and Daniel Collins is, you know, obviously a, a bit of an outsider, but not not crazy. So yeah, for, for all the drama, it's actually, apart from the great tennis, it's been a pretty, pretty chalk-filled draw as well. It has. Uh, I want to start with the women's side. We'll, we'll definitely get to the men, but you mentioned her Ash Barty is uh, just steamrolling her way to the final. I think that's the best way to put it. She's doing it, essentially beating the same American she did at Roland Garros, almost all of them, depending on what happens with the Collins match, but she's into the major final. She'll play for her home slam, a chance to win her third slam, the first Aussie one for uh, a woman in 40 years. It's a great opportunity for Ash Barty. How she's gotten here, John, is essentially serving a master class i saw the stats where it's like 75 percent of her service holds have been not even getting to a deuce game she is a virtuoso player and there's been no slowing down and the better that she the further that she's got along in these tournaments what is it about her game and her ability to handle the pressure that stood out to you because there's a lot riding on her as we all know of winning that home slam but she's unfazed by it at the moment yeah i mean when you have that serve and when you're dropping fewer than uh two games a set, it's, it's easier to, to handle any sort of pressure. The pressure doesn't really have a chance to mount. I, I mean, I think we, we always talk about her variety and the slice that she uses so effectively and so offensively that you don't see from any other player, the variety, the gears. And then, as you say, the serve has just been fantastic. I mean, she was broken in her first match of the season against Coco Goff. She rallied from a, a set down and a breakdown to win that match. And then she went more than 60 games, service games without getting broken. Um, I, you know, I mean, I think what's going to be interesting is she is winning so dominantly. You wonder what, what happens when it's for all. And that's not a position she's been in this tournament. I mean, her matches have lasted 61 minutes on average. There really hasn't been much of a push. I mean, the, the Amanda Anasimova played her toughest. It was four and three, yeah. but even that was sort of like she had, she had breaks in both sets she has absolutely been, you know, she's been playing at such a level where there really hasn't been any pressure. So it'll be interesting to see if Danielle Collins can just put her in that position where she's feeling it, which she hasn't in her first six matches, but between that serve as a weapon, just so, so effective and so effective setting up the serve plus one where she, you know, she's not going to be your tournament ace leader, even with seven matches, but at the same time, look at her serve plus one stats and that and just the fact that no, no one plays like her. Yeah. And we, we've been talking about it on the show with Martina. I mean, the slice for a while was a sort of defensive bailout shot that you would use when you lost confidence in your slugging. And Barty is hitting 85% of her backhands she's been slicing. That is not a bailout. That's something she's using effectively as a weapon. It certainly is. And it's it's got to be the hardest workout in the women's game is playing against Ash Barty because she just runs you from pillar to post, as they say. It's uh, it's truly a, a fun experience to watch her play tennis. And she wins this match. I mean, this is you, you're you love to put stuff into historical perspective. And this is a <laughs> this is a groundbreaking win, a landmark win in a lot of cases. But to do it, she'll have to go through Danielle Collins, who, again, not seated is viewed as sort of an outsider, but if you just watch the matches, I mean, John, she's been incredible. She's been fearless. She started on an insanely uh, successful amount of her breakpoint attempts. And she's someone that, you know, has dealt through adversity, had the Clara Tossin match that was close going all the way to the end, but she doesn't back down from anyone. You see it in her tennis. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's been training in, in Florida and she's really held up well in these conditions. I mean, she was a much fresher player against Iga Svantec in uh 
in the semifinals. And there's just, you know, I mean, it's, it may rub some people the wrong way. You know what? Sort of too, too bad. There is a, a feistiness to her. Yeah. There is a confidence to her. And you see it pays dividends. It's not easy to quantify. We can talk about, you know, time spent on court, which is almost double that of Ash Barty. We can talk about some of the times where she's, you know, you talk about those 30, 30 all games and service games to get to 30 and how she still manages to pull through. But it's mostly sort of this, this ineffable, this unquantifiable quantity. She's just tough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Mary, Mary Carilla sometimes talks about players that have fangs. Danielle Collins' fangs, like, scrape the court surface. I mean, she's just a great competitor. And that's something that gets you far in this sport. It's also something that your opponents know. And that's her reputation. And when it gets to four all, she's not going to retreat. When it gets to five all, when it gets late in the third set, she's not going anywhere. And I think quite apart from the fact that that's just such a virtue in this sport, it's also something that you sense on the other side of the net. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a different, it's not like that for every player. And Ash Barty is going to go to that final knowing that Daniel Collins is going to give me no quarter when we get deep into this match. That changes your approach. Yeah, they've they've had some tough matches too in the recent years in Australia in some of the tournaments there. And just again, also give like a shameless plug on, on another one of our podcasts on the networks. Kamal Murray had her interviewed at the WTA event, his WTA event in Chicago, asked a bunch of the players, you know, who are some of your toughest matchups? Who are you not looking forward to in the draw? Collins, John was the only one that said, I don't care. I'll play anyone. <laughs> I, exactly. I won't back down from anyone. Yeah, exactly. that, that, exactly. tells, that tells the whole story with her. Uh, it really does. And and also, as you know, just what she's overcome in the in the uh, personal life, her health scare, uh, to do that and just to be back near on top, playing her best tennis ever after all that is uh, remarkable as well. Yeah, she's been very open talking about that and how it didn't just affect her in matches, it affected her training. Um, again, sort of what, what you see is what you get with her. Um, there, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of guile, there's not a lot of nuance, but it's really effective in this sport. And she's talked also, apart from her, apart from her health and her gynecology issues, she's also spoken about sort of the, she didn't grow up a country club kid and her parents made sacrifices to get her into tennis and take her to events. And she's been very outspoken about that as well. That's something that informs your approach when you're 28 years old and you're playing in a major final. So, I, I mean, I think it's, it's a lot to like. I think that it's really, in some ways, it's, it's a very different look. We talk about Ash Barty presents opponents with a different look. They're not used to the slice. They're not used to the kick. They're not used to all the gears and the net play. You know what? Daniel Collins also gives you a different look, which is mm -hmm. someone who's just going to stand toe to toe and she doesn't need to have the warm embrace at the net and she's going to curse and she's going to you know, give you the fist pump. That's also a different look. So I, I think this has the potential to really be a, a match of contrasts. And I, you know, I mean, I, I think Ash Barty, obviously the top seed, she's playing so well, Aussie crowd. I mean, every kind of classic metric she's the favorite but i i don't think uh this is you know i don't think this is a done deal by any stretch no and both are great uh out of the gate great starters as well so that first set's going to be telling uh, to mm -hmm. see what happens there before we go on to the men's side just a couple thoughts on some of the american women that made deep run great to see madison keys back into the mix i know she you know wasn't really wasn't seated going into this tournament but I think she pretty much proves, John, that when she's on and when she's playing her best tennis, this is a top 10 talent in the world. It's good to see that she found her rhythm in this tournament and in this mini Australian swing that she's playing with confidence again. 
Yeah, unquestionably. And again, she's she's been very open about that. She hasn't always had confidence and she's sometimes felt this weight of expectation. And, you know, she's cl- closer to age 30 than she is to 20. And in her in her mid to late 20s, it's, it's coming together nicely. A, a very rough 2021 and uh, 2022 has started off much differently. And you, you know, you, you'd like to think uh, it's only going to build from here. But her her power, I mean, obviously against against Barty, for variety of reasons, uh, conditions and not her day and the Nash party defense. Um, that was not as close a match as I think a lot of us thought it might be, but just on sheer power alone, Madison Keys is a top 10 player. Madison Keys with confidence is a top five player. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm just, I'm glad to see her back in the mix where I think she can be, and she can throw her hat in the race with Collins and some of these other ladies as the top ranked American player when that, spot is now opening up same goes for amanda andy samova who that just shows you again how uh, how great it is to have one of those seeds because she notched arguably the most impressive win uh in the early rounds beating naomi osaka then had to play barty in the very next round so there's no let off for her but the ability that she that, that she showed and the fortitude more than anything to go power for power with naomi osaka and then win in the super tie break has to give her a lot of confidence. Who's another one of those surprisingly young players that we don't realize that because she's been around so long. 20 years old, you know, <laughs> yeah. she, she, uh, she can't buy a beer. No. And I think it's also something for the rest of the field to see that one of tennis's virtues, you know, if you're fans of a, uh, if you're a New York giants fan or a Lakers fan, you know, you can rebuilding can be hard in tennis. You catch a nice gear and, you know, in the, the fall of 2021, a lot of concern about Amanda Anasimova she starts 2022 by winning a title and then backs it up with, as you say, taking out the defending champion at the Australian Open. And suddenly that is an ascending player. So it, it doesn't take much to reverse fortune in this sport. And sometimes we see, you know, Naomi Osaka is deep outside the top 50 and Sonia Kennan deep outside the top 50. Serena Williams outside the top 100. We see all sorts of players go through dips. These careers are never straight lines. And one of the beauties of tennis um, Amanda Anasimova, just the latest kind of um, expression of that is it doesn't take a whole lot to turn things around. And, you know, you're one month into the season and Amanda Anasimova is that stock price is at a very different place than it was uh, on December 31st. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. John Wertheim here on Tennis Channel Inside In uh, as we turn our attention to the men's side of things at the Australian Open, uh, starting with Rafael Nadal getting back to the final, where the quarterfinal was that you know pitfall area for him in the past. So much was made about how tough the draw was for him, his, his form going into the tournament, had the bout with COVID, and all those things were in his way. And this is a guy who once again gets to a major final. Uh, the competitiveness just stands out to everybody. We know about the weapons in this game. We know about, you know, the serve and the forehand and all those things, but just the fact that he overcame what he did and that Shapovalov match where he clearly wasn't himself. How could you not just be in awe of what this guy is as a competitor? Yeah. I mean, his, his team told me he lost nine pounds in that uh, Shapovalov match. So um, that's, you know, he, he left it all out there quite literally. 
I, you know, I mean, I think obviously this is the major he's won the fewest times just once in 2009. The flip side is he's been really close. I mean, his, you know, his, his back gave out against Stan Wawrinka and he was up a set in the fifth set. I mean, it's up a, a break in the fifth set against uh, Federer in 2017 and had that long match in 2012 with Joe. I mean, he could very easily have had four Australian Open titles. I and mean, I think the, the surface suits him. I think he's playing with a much different perspective. I mean, this foot injury was different from the various other injuries he's had. I mean, this really was career threatening. Yeah. And I also think, I mean, you know, I mean, he, he benefits, let's be honest. I mean, he benefits from Novak Djokovic not being in the draw, no question. But the flip side is I, I think he really kind of benefits from, he's the crowd favorite. He's the one who's kind of getting his choice of when to play and choice of the day. And I think that, you know, he, he's kind of warm to this. He's been very, very sort of minimal, minimizing the history. Um, but he knows what's at stake. I mean, he, he knows this is a, a huge opportunity for 21. It would put him in the lead in this race. It would make him the all-time major winner. The French Open is next on the calendar. And he's brought this mix of, of really standout tennis. I mean, those first two sets against Sparatini, where you're, you're not going to find, especially off of clay, you're not going to find Nadal playing better tennis than those first 90 minutes or so against Berrettini. And then he's also shown the Nadal fight. In th three of his six matches, he's lost the third set. Um, but he's figured out a way to, uh, to push through. And now we get, a, um, you know, we, get, we get a repeat of the 2019 U.S. Open final. Yeah, Nadal's always struck me as a, as a uh, player that's very pragmatic in his approach to the game and in life and, and, and whatnot. But I do think, though, that the injury, as you mentioned, maybe his age, maybe the fact that he knows that it's, you know, he's getting to the end of the road at one way or another with tennis, that he's got this more pragmatic approach, even if that's possible, if I can control what I can control. And that number one thing he can control is his effort and his ability to just still give it on every point. It's been remarkable to see. He was down two sets or he was up two sets against Shapovalov down, uh, lost the last, the lost sets three and four. And uh, similar to the Sitsipas quarterfinal a year ago but he was able to dig back, dig back in this time and, and make it happen. It's just, uh, it's remarkable to see, but it's not going to get easier in the final because Medvedev's there to play him. And uh, you mentioned it, the rematch of the 2019 U.S. Open final. I couldn't believe that stat when it came out that Medvedev's trying, John, to be the first man to win his second slam right after winning his first one. But uh, he's right there. He overcomes Felix in two, down two sets in that quarterfinal. Beats Sitsipas again this time in four sets. What is it about Daniil Medvedev's consistency on the hard court that set, separates him, separates himself from virtually everyone else in the game right now, outside of maybe Novak Djokovic? Why is Medvedev that much more consistent than his counterparts? Well, one is his serve, which is really one of the, I don't think we talk about it enough. I mean, it's really one of the, the ultra weapons in men's tennis. I mean, Sitsipas won, I think, 14% 4, of his, uh, serve point of his, of his uh, return points against against Medvedev um you know and I, I think he's the, the confidence swells I mean we mentioned that he's the first player to try and win his first major and then back it up and you know I mean the uh the, the, the truth is he's in his mid-20s I mean, Djokovic won the Australian Open for the first time when he was when he was what he was 20 years 20, old yeah. and and Nadal was a teenager when he won in France so he definitely is at a different point in his career and I think you know we we have all sort of looked and even checked the stats of that 2019 U.S. Open final well that was whatever it was 30 months ago when Medvedev played Nadal but that's a completely different Medvedev I mean since then he's really established himself as 
a top player, as a major winner, he's regarded differently in the locker room. He's got so many more your know, top 10 wins and tournament titles. And, you know, you sort of look at the, the slappy strokes and you sort of look at some of the, you know, he can still go off the boil a bit <laughs> yeah. as he did uh, against Tsitsipas. But you sort of, you, you put it all together and you're a very, very solid player. He's a deceptive mover. Um, those those slappy strokes, uh, we, we all made joke about the, the grip and it looks like a club player, but they're really hard to read the surface. But I think it just starts with a serve. And I think um, this this is really one of the, the great weapons in tennis today. And I'm not sure he gets enough credit for uh, for the serve he has. And I saw, I did see an article about the Sitsipas uh, incident in the match when he got into it with the umpire that you referenced. And it referred to it as a meltdown. But my question would be, is it really a meltdown if the guy goes out and then wins the next two sets? Like he, he can almost manage these meltdowns, so to speak, as good as anyone. He, he's got this reputation now of being kind of a troll. It almost looks like he's an entertainer. And, uh, you know, is able to express himself and go off the boil, as you say, but still reel it in and play his best tennis. Yeah, I mean, after Sitsipas got the, the coaching warning, Sitsipas didn't win another game. And, you know, I, mean, I think Medvedev, we, if you around the sport and if you, you hear him afterwards and he's very apologetic, I think he can kind of play the, the role of the heel during the match. But I think, you, you know, he's deep down as a, as a good guy and there's a sense of humor. And I think that um, you're right. I think, I think it's controlled. And I think when, when Shapovalov, for example, against Nadal had his meltdown, I think it really came at a detriment to his tennis. It was mm. wasted energy. It was wasted psychic energy. That was a winnable match against a very, very tired Nadal that slipped away with Medvedev. You, you, I think that's a good point you raised. Um, you have a feeling he's, kind of on it and he's not going to let him you know it's it may be a bit of a distraction but you're right it doesn't seem to you know play to the detriment of his tennis well a lot of stakes in this one we know that uh, Nadal can break the tie get to major 21 and then obviously the French Open coming up after that Medvedev gets that second major title he's in rarefied air especially in this century with the with the few number of guys that have done that uh and, and he's embraced the fact that he's almost become the gatekeeper for keeping this record tied for all three of them at 20. So a lot of stakes in this one, John, we know. And we know that Rafael Nadal is the underdog in this match, but you know, count him out at your own risk, as I think we all say. Yeah, I'd agree with that on, on, on all counts. And, um, you know, this you could certainly make cases. Uh, if, if you could make cases for Dan, Daniel Collins, Lord knows you can make cases for the lower seed in the men's final which is Nadal, but uh, should, should, should be great. And it's, it's kind of history either way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I uh, appreciate you talking tennis with me here, John Wertheim on Tennis Channel Inside In. Uh, very last thing, I got to give you a shout out to, uh, because obviously we know you wear many hats, uh, the 60 Minutes feature on uh, the article on uh, who sold out Anne Frank. Uh, very, very great journalism. Okay. And I think that story, uh, I, I didn't even, you know, I was clueless, like a lot of people didn't really know the half of it, but watch the feature, Red Go Online. You got to travel, talk to some people, the retired FBI uh, agent that basically spearheaded the investigation uh, with the filmmaker as well. 
What was that process like for you to kind of just, yeah, I don't want to say be along for the ride, but be able to help capture the story and, uh, you know, solve this, uh, this question that's been lingering for decades. Um, yeah, it was a wild story. I mean, you sort of, uh, people, people that read Anne Frank's diary, you know, it's one of the most, you know, the best-selling books of the last, uh, you know, the widely read books in the last century. And there always is this question of how was it that they were, caught that they were betrayed they, you know, colloquially they were dimed out and uh this was sort of a really interesting look that combined kind of typical fbi shoe leather with ai and with modern technology and uh they arrived at uh, the, their, their own theory and it was um it was really interesting to see how they sort of put together this this case yeah putting it putting this together piece by piece that was like going along for just a journey and trying to to solve this thing as a reader and i can only imagine what it would be like there but no I, phenomenal work again uh you know outside the sports realm but we can all kind of dip our toes sports fans can always dip our toes there as well but uh john Wertheim, pleasure having you on tennis channel inside in still going strong almost done with uh, every single day on tennis channel live but uh, it's been good work so far uh, thank you again for joining me here on the podcast you got it. Much appreciated. Thanks. That was John Wertheim on Tennis Channel Inside In. If you like the show, you can find it on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, tennis.com slash podcasts. We'll be back next week to recap the Australian Open Finals and talk more tennis. For John Wertheim, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. We'll see you next week.